What if it tempt you toward the flood, my lord, or to the dreadful summit of the cliff that beetles o'er his base into the sea, and there assume some other horrible form which might deprive you of your sovereignty of reason and draw you into madness? Think of it. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Today we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, Your Sovereignty of Reason. The royal family is thrown into turmoil after Simon announces his support for the anti-monarchy referendum on national television. Helena's status-obsessed mother, the Grand Duchess of Oxford, arrives at the palace. Ophelia is dogged by the paparazzi after a topless picture of her in Monaco appears in the tabloids. So this was a real doozy of an episode in terms of having a lot of important plot stuff. Oh, Unlike yeah. uh, the last couple of episodes we talked about have been light in the loafers in terms of intrigue, but with plenty of fun, like teen show drama, mm -hmm. whereas this one was a lot more, um, probably more about ambition and political stuff than anyone we've seen since maybe the first episode. Yeah, I'd say it might be the most serious episode that we've seen so far like the least jokey overall yeah i would agree with that and uh, yeah it does have we'll eventually get to it probably the single biggest plot point in the series so far <clears throat> occurs mm -hmm. in this episode i would say also probably the best guest star that the show has had slash may ever have um and i'm really really excited to talk about her so let's just jump right in okay um the first image we see in the episode, which I actually thought was kind of arresting, is they show us just Eleanor's eyes, just a close-up just on her eyes, and then a close-up on her eyes in this oil painting of mm -hmm. her, where she's dressed in this very frilly, pink, traditional dress. Kind of, you know, the furthest thing you would expect from Eleanor, who's wearing a ripped Sex Pistols uh -huh. t-shirt and skinny jeans in real life. And it's just her sort of contemplating the picture uh, and then she gets a text on her phone from Beck, who's like, how did you sleep? Mm -hmm. And she blocks his number, which is probably the smartest thing she's done all season. Yes. Though she follows it up with an incredibly not smart thing <laughs> by texting Jasper with a lot of typos. I don't know if she's supposed to be drunk at this point and asking where he is. There is kind of a recurring theme with this little this portrait that she has throughout the episode. It doesn't even, like, the dress is so jarring on her that it almost doesn't <laughs> seem like it should be a picture of her. Like, for a second, yeah. I thought maybe this is a picture of, like, her, like, grandmother or something when she was young. Yeah. But uh, I think it is her. I think it is intended to be her. Well, there's a gold plate oh, underneath that's the right. picture that they zoom in on that says Princess Eleanor. They do so show that, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it's her. Also, this episode kind of gets into something that we've been, I feel like the show has been dancing around, but you and I have been talking about head on for the past few episodes, which is Eleanor's self-loathing and yeah, and or sure. depression however you want to look at it whatever is fueling her need to abuse drugs and alcohol for sure yeah so uh, on the opposite side of the palace we have liam and ophelia in bed together and liam is just like watching her sleep which of course 
and he's like, there's my girl or something like that because <laughs> <laughs> that's my Liam impression. I think it's pretty it's good. It's very similar to your Cyrus impression, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, we have a lot in common, you and I. That's true. That's true. <laughs> or we're not so different, you and not I. Not so different, yeah. Um, Two sides of the same coin. There's not a whole lot to say about Liam and Ophelia's continuing relationship, except uh, that there's a topless photo of Ophelia from Monaco that was mm-hmm. leaked and is now splashed all over the tabloids. Not just that. It looks like it's on every conceivable newspaper, <laughs> like even respectable publications. It's kind of funny. There seems to be the way they have like staff members and assistants all running around, you know, like talking frantically on cell phones about Ophelia's topless photo leaking. Mm-hmm. Not only is the freak out bigger than when Eleanor fell off the table and her vagina, her bare vagina was flashed to the world. Yeah. They're freaking out more than when Robert died. As I noted, at least there are pictures of her topless. There are no pictures of Robert whatsoever. <laughs> the public may think that Robert is a fictional character. There's a picture of Robert in this episode. It's a real blink and you miss it. But for oh, the first time, really? we did get a picture of him. Is it in focus? Is it blurry? We'll get to it. I'm actually really excited for this reveal. Oh, okay. Never mind. I get it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, I remember. You know what, you're ta- yeah. you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Um, so Helena gets the bad news about Ophelia's topless photo scandal while she's having... A gold massage? I just yeah, wrote down gold massage. I don't happening. know what this is. It's like, um, what's the James Bond movie where the girl gets suffocated uh, in gold? Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Okay, I thought that's what it was. I almost said gold member, and then I was like, wait. <laughs> that's no, definitely that's an Austin right. Powers film. So Helena is just getting, like, massaged in gold paste all over her. <laughs> I was going to ask you about this. I thought maybe this was a thing, and I just didn't know what it was, but... I've heard of, like, gold facials like skin exfoliating treatments that use gold Mm -hmm. i don't know that i've ever heard of anyone getting like a rub down in gold (laughs) from like three separate people at the same time but it just goes to show you know simon's going to talk a lot in this episode about the excess of the royal family so in that sense i think so it works i mean it's definitely like an image she recently came into a party dressed as cleopatra being carried (laughs) by four people so i think it's just like an ego thing for her, probably. So it's just a regular Tuesday for yeah, her. Yeah, like the gold thing isn't doing anything except that she she looks like she's golden. Eleanor walks out of her room and she has this new bodyguard who she calls Hagrid. He has mm-hmm. he has none of the jauntiness or the friendliness or the cuddliness of Hagrid. He looks more like uh, the butler from the Adams family, Lurch, Lurch, like Lurch, but with a unibrow and. Ten times scarier, and they're doing like a very forced perspective on him because uh, Alexandra Park, who plays Eleanor, is already very tall, and they're shooting this guy. Like I'm imagining the cameraman like sitting right at this actor's feet, like <laughs> shooting the camera directly up because he just seems supernaturally tall. She has a lot of nicknames for this guy throughout the episode, at least three that I counted. It's like a a running thing with her. The second one, though, which she says in this scene, I did not mm-hmm. understand it all it sounded like she calls him gog magog does that mean i I I thought it it must be like a scottish thing i had no idea i thought it i think it must be a uk thing oh this has been another episode of two (laughs) ignorant americans talking about quasi british stuff phonetically and there's two nations in the torah called gog and magog but i don't know how that could possibly relate 
They don't have anything to do I, with, like, golems or anything. I don't think Eleanor knows a lot about world religions. That's just a guess. That's a so fair bet. So Eleanor is like, where's Jasper? Asking this guy, and he says nothing, so she runs off to see Ted. Ted, who's with Ophelia, being all mad at her over the topless photo leak. And Ophelia's basically like, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, don't slut shame me, dad. Like, what is your problem? You're being so mean. And this wasn't really my fault. Mm. I mean, it is it is bad that it happened. And I can understand, like, a dad being frustrated. But sure. I feel like he's putting an undue amount of blame on here, her, especially because... Gemma wasn't wrong when she said that women tend to go topless on the beach in Europe. Like, it's just true. Yeah. So. And I think throughout this episode, we'll get to another scene later, Ted's kind of a dick to Ophelia, I feel like. Not just here, but later on, too, a little bit. Yeah, and she even says that he's really cold and they're not close. She's talking about it with Liam either, and I'm kind of like, I get it. Like... God knows, sometimes I get frustrated with Ophelia, especially the past couple of weeks, because I was mad at her for, you know, trying to pit two boys against each other. But I was totally on her side with this one. Like, this, some rough stuff happens during this episode, and her dad is not supportive. Yeah. Uh, so as she's walking out, Eleanor is walking in to see Ted about the bodyguard situation. And Eleanor is actually in top form this episode in terms of, like, being very kind, where she's yeah. been kind of nasty and cold in the past. And she has a line that I wrote down. The bad news is your tits were on the cover. The good thing is they looked great. And I was like, yeah, like that's probably fair. So she's a good friend to Ophelia. And she's also really, really supportive of Liam in this episode. They both have their little nicknames for each other in that scene. I don't know if I'd heard Ophelia say Lenny before, but that's apparently her nickname. Not as catchy as Fee, in my opinion. No, Sometimes when characters say Len, it feels a little bit forced. Mm. When Simon says it, it doesn't. But that's he's just so great that yeah. everything he touches turns to gold. Uh, so Eleanor goes in and is kind of trying to figure out why Jasper was transferred and how she can get him back without telling Ted, like, I've been fucking this guy. Right. She, she can't, like, come out right and tell him what's going on. So she's having a hard time making her point. I forget... What he actually says was the reason he got transferred, just because Hel- just because Helena asked for him. Uh, Ted claims that Eleanor said something or did something to put him in a compromising situation, uh, or at least that's what Jasper said, and that is why he was transferred, I believe. So it seems like it was at Jasper's behest. I think that's true. I don't totally understand Jasper's not even in this episode no, at all he's like, not. they talk about him a lot but he doesn't appear on screen yeah. and normally he does super shitty things and then I see how handsome he is and I forget to be mad at him this episode he didn't show up so I was just mad at him so um, along <laughs> with Jasper being missing for a welcome change of pace not only is there no Jasper I don't think there's any sexual blackmail at all in this episode <gasps> It's Be a still my heart. Yeah, completely is, devoid for once. This is a real thrill. Oh, we get In a break. In fact, Yay! the guy that Cyrus is sexually blackmailing is even like, fuck you, I'm not taking it anymore later on. So it's actually pretty, pretty great. The palace can't or won't give Ophelia an official security detail, which is ridiculous, especially when you consider that her mother was, was shot. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about that. We're, we're laughing, but it's terrible that her mother was killed in, you know, because of her connection to the royal family. Although, obviously, that was 
inadvertent in that it seems that the general consensus is that whoever it was was aiming for King Simon. Um, so Jasper's been reassigned to Helena. Mm-hmm. Helena and Cyrus are stressing out about the referendum thing because in last episode, Simon was like, I'm going to see the prime minister, which is unusual because normally the prime minister has to come to the palace and Simon wouldn't tell Helena what it was about. So like she knows it's about the referendum. He was like being purposely like mysterious in a way that was definitely meant to get her goat. There's this scene in the last episode where Simon says we all have our secrets while he's leaving. I'm pretty sure that's the scene that they're referring to. Yeah, because he just saw Jasper walk out of the royal bedroom like, Woo, that sure was yeah. some good mm-hmm. sex having because he's like, anyone could have seen him. This is the same thing I had when John Doe and Helena were waltzing out in the hallway outside the ball. I'm like, there are hundreds of staff members, <laughs> yeah. not to mention the entire royal family and whoever knows how many other visiting diplomats, politicians. Like, I'm sure there's never a time when they don't have guests or, or there are people there. At least. At least taken the time to like put his suit back on properly, so when he left, it'd be like, "Oh, it's just the bodyguard leaving." Yeah, like he but all no. but like wipes his mouth, if you know what I mean, uh-huh. which is TV's yeah. universal code for "I just went down on someone." So there are a couple amazing lines in this scene. Helena asks Cyrus if Holloway stands firm, and Cyrus goes, "Firm indeed," and I was like. <laughs> talking about his dick helping our listeners with that one i want to make sure everyone understood i wish they could have seen the coy look on my face mm-hmm. also they start talking about quote the dragon king of moruvia i know <laughs> i thought the bow and arrow Chekhov's bow and arrow has been fired you think that was it like end they set it up for three episodes Nope, came back one more time. Now we're in Game of Thrones. The Dragon King of Moruvia, like, he definitely lives in Easteros, right? Yes. Dude, (laughs) this guy was in the earlier episode, though. This was the diplomat that Liam met with Simon. Yes. Who gave them the bow and arrow a few episodes ago. And they called him that, too. The Dragon King of Moruvia. (laughs) I, I... They can't have Not been trying country. to come up with a realistic fake place. This must be like a, let's just throw it all out there because we don't want to get political. Anyway, yes. Ophelia unintentionally, besides causing a stir with her beautiful boobies, kind of uh-huh. created the beginnings an of an international, international incident. Because it turns out that dick guy who cheated Ashok out of his car was the son of like a very important oil magnate. Yeah, an oil some kind of oil baron. Oil baron? Somebody in, some OPEC person. Some important, rich, Middle Eastern person. And now that's created an incident between this oil tycoon and Maruvia. So now Maruvia is... Which is insane. <laughs> like, why would the oil baron blame Maruvia for the prince's girlfriend aiming a bow and arrow at his son. Everyone recognizes the bow and arrow as being Maruvian. Like, this is an alternate universe. distinguishing features. Everyone knows, like, about this medieval weaponry. I wish I lived in this world. Everybody knows. Maruvia is famous for its bow and arrows. (laughs) It's the number one export of Maruvia. Besides dragons. Besides dragons, of course. So, (laughs) then... Someone who is called the Grand Duchess of Oxford, we're told, is showing up. Oh, yeah. And Helena says, FML, we all take a shot. 
And I'm so, so happy to tell you that Helena's mother, the Grand Duchess of Oxford, is played by none other than the legendary, and deservedly so, soap actress uh, Joan Collins of Dynasty, who... Mm-hmm just comes into this episode and like lights up the screen. It's one of those things where like the actor who plays Cyrus, Joan Collins, probably because of her years of experience, perfectly understands the tone of the show and like everyone else should meet her energy level. And when they do, the scenes tend to go very well because she just steps in and I think she's just so great. I mean, I'm totally fangirling over her, but like she's amazing. It's great to see Helena have to take shit for once instead of dishing it out. Like it's, it's really good. I did not realize that she was, uh, I don't know a great deal about Dynasty, I'm going to confess. So I didn't realize she was from Dynasty. All I know about Dynasty is that Ricardo Monteblan plays a character named Zach Powers in that show. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my He's god, the levels just went oil crazy. Magnate or something. <laughs> so it was you all along. You're the one starting the feud with Maruvia. Um, yeah. I actually have never seen Dynasty, but I know of Joan Collins just for being like a Hollywood icon. Like she's probably one of the most famous soap um, soap actors of all time. So I think she was a hu- probably a huge get for the royals. And like I said, it's really fun to see her in the scenes with Elizabeth oh, Hurley, where she- Elizabeth Hurley like actually can't be the one dishing out all the barbs for once. Oh, she's completely one hundred percent like. A Lucille Bluth kind of knockoff yes. character. She's so, so mean immediately to Helena. And later she even does a total Lucille Bluth move, totally taken from Arrested Development, where she gives Helena's daughter Eleanor some jewelry instead of giving it to Helena, even though she knows Helena wants it. Which is 100% something that happens in Arrested Development. Yes, it is. With the elephant brooch they get from the, op- from, uh, the time George Sr. cheated with the au pair. The paparazzi are dogging Ophelia and Liam, you know, just swarming the car that they're in. Oh, before this, Liam's like, I hate that you have to deal with this because you're my girlfriend. And Ophelia's like, I'm your girlfriend. And I was like, oh, Oh, I don't care. (laughs) It's just, they just both giggled. Like, he's like, you're my girlfriend. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm your girlfriend. And they both just sit there and are like, for a while. I guess it's a big milestone for them. They, um, before the vacation, they were broken up and they spend two days in Monaco and it's like all the drama's forgiven. But the thing was, they never actually had like any real substantial problems that broke them up in the first no. place. So, And they were very barely together for like, they were together for like a day in the first place. So, so they get out of the car, the paparazzi are everywhere and Liam responds to the paparazzi's questions. Which... Yeah, first of all, they see these newspapers, they pass a newspaper stand on the way there, and the headline, written huge on the cover of one of the newspapers, without even a picture, just huge, is American Slut. <gasps> I didn't see that! That's terrible! Yeah, that's on the cover of, like, this this newspaper stand, that's a major headline, huge letters. It's bizarre, because it seems like all the questions that the paparazzi slash reporters shout at Liam are about the referendum, which everyone knows they is are. kind of heating they up. Are. But somehow this is bigger, Ophelia's boobs are bigger news Way than bigger. the referendum. I feel like that's 
all anyone would be talking about. Like a while ago when Scottish had the referendum for Scottish independence, independence, that was like yeah. a huge news story, if nothing else. The paparazzi, they come back later. They're far more polite in this interaction than they are a little later on, about a million times. I think we're supposed to, the impression we're supposed to get is basically the whole general public really likes Liam. Like, mm. probably more so than they like most members of the royal family, if not all. Like, you think everyone would be Except. Oliver Simon, but it doesn't seem that way. I went to a school uh, for my university. Our ballet program there is second only to Juilliard's in all of America. So, Ophelia was doing passable modern dance. I was going to say, she is not exactly a step up to the streets, because this was not particularly great dancing, in my opinion. It was... Fine. Merritt Patterson, who plays Ophelia, did an incredibly adequate job, which sounds like damning praise. But what I mean is you can tell that she's not a dancer. Dancers yeah. move in a certain way and they stand in a certain way and they just hold themselves in a certain way. And yeah. she's obviously not a dancer, which doesn't matter that much in the scenes where she's not dancing. But in this one, I was just like... Especially because the impression Ugh. we're supposed to get is that this is, like, blowing people away how good it is. Yeah. Like, she gets an offer from New York City, from some guy in New York, and I've, almost immediately after. Yeah, I've watched a lot of dance performances, too, both on screen and off. And it's just, like, very dull, very basic choreography. Like, it's one of those things where everyone is, like losing their minds over how great she is. Liam, being the weirdo that he is who doesn't really understand when things are appropriate, just starts clapping after her like rehearsal performance, which is not something that you really do in any art form, but whatever. Right. He's clueless. Um, he has Marcus stay with her to be her personal security detail, which Marcus is like, I don't know about this because I'm supposed to be your bodyguard. But the palace won't assign anyone to Ophelia, which is so ridiculous considering the harassment that she's facing and the fact that her dad is the head of security. And again, that her mother died during a previous, I guess, assassination attempt on the royal family. That cannot be overstated. That really cannot be overstated, especially because it will so hugely be an important plot point in season two. Um, yeah. Like, it really is more than just tragic backstory for Ted and Ophelia. We have probably my favorite scene of the episode, maybe my favorite scene of the series so far. Simon is uh. in some sort of official throne room looking at portraits and things, other, you know, royal historical memorabilia, items of significance. It's got, yeah, Everything's it's got gold. like pews. It almost looks like a church. It might be some sort of a palace chapel, but he's talking about how he was basically just, he got lucky in a genetic lottery thousands of years in the making that his family, you know, however many generations and generations ago were the ones who ended up on the throne. And now because of succession, he's gotten to here, but he didn't really do anything to earn it. And Cyrus is like, well, that's true, but isn't that isn't chance just another way of thinking about like mm -hmm. destiny or fate so in a way couldn't you say by the exact same logic that you were destined to become king and they go back and forth you know about whether the monarchy is good or bad but it's just so much fun to watch these great actors have a scene together that almost feels like it belongs in a different show because it it's really without one-liners Cyrus's intention here, Helena sent him to try and convince Simon to not go through with the 
referendum to abolish the monarchy. So that's kind of his motivation here. So he's being very kind. kind but <laughs> he's not being a snarky nice bitch is, for once. Yeah, this is by far the least villainous I think we ever see Cyrus in the entire run of the series. And to the actor's credit, he does a good he does a good job with it. Yeah. Uh, He's yeah. great. He could do anything. I would love to see there him play like Richard the Third. Really make sense. But what is that? He says something about maybe the people will keep the monarchy and abolish you, and I don't know what that means. Like impeach him? I guess, but that's not that how monarchies to... traditionally work. I feel like that would opinion. have to be a whole separate referendum. It would have to be an issue of the referendum to abolish the monarchy fails. And then the people are so insulted that their king tried to end the monarchy that another that referendum is put forth. And he gets I, this is just too much, especially because so that sentence does not make much sense to me. Even with the politics of this world, which, as Darren talked to us about in the first episode, don't make any actual sense in terms of real life mm -hmm. England. Um, Cyrus said, I think on the last episode or the episode before that, that if the people knew that Simon was the one who wanted to abolish the monarchy, that he was the one who had put the idea forward, they would be even more in favor of it because Simon is so popular with the people. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know why. So that, that, that is the only aspect of the scene that didn't make much sense to me. Um, it's gorgeous, though. You know, the show, even in scenes that aren't as good as this one is, like... I really got to say, we don't talk about this much because we'd be saying the same thing every week, but the way the show is shot usually looks really, really good. And like yeah. they make the most of that palace. And this is one of those scenes where it just, I feel like it gives their conversation that much more weight to be in such a beautiful and kind of opulent room. You do wish that there were more scenes between these two because this scene and also the one in the premiere where they're hunting Oh. are two of the best scenes of the entire, definitely the first season. Cyrus leveling his shotgun at the back of uh, Simon's head, I think is still like the most arresting image that the series has put forward. It's probably honestly true. good. That and the one of Simon walking into the crowd to pick up the little boy are like probably the two ones I would like really, really think of when I think of this. Oh, what comes next? Um... <laughs> Helena and her mom. They're talking oh, yeah. about uh, the Duchess of... Okay, so her mother's title is the Grand Duchess of Oxford. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to call her Joan Collins because I don't want to call her the Grand Duchess of Oxford. Yes. And like, if I say Joan Collins, people will probably know who I'm talking about. Um, so Joan Collins is telling her daughter, like, you need to be the one to be like giving Simon a backbone, even though that's not really what the issue is. It's not that he's cowardly. It's actually that he's being very, very brave. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be the one to pressure him into not supporting this referendum, into having enthusiasm for the monarchy again. And this is just a side of Helena we've never seen before, even the scenes with her and her lover. She is completely cowed by her mother. Like, her mm -hmm. whole demeanor, her posture, everything is different. This might be my favorite scene so far for Elizabeth Hurley acting-wise in the series because... This scene, to me, humanized her so much more than any of the stuff with her lover did. Her, I'll, I'll agree to that. Her mother says, you know, I had to do all this stuff to get you in the position where you are. And Helena says, I'll never forget what you did. And I'm like, what did she do? Do go on. But it's never touched on. Maybe never touched on again. Yeah. So far, certainly not. I'm pretty sure that the... F I'm 99% sure that Helena's family 
were wealthy commoners even before they lost all that money because she notes that the Grand Duchess of Oxford is a title that she acquired for her mother after she became queen. So mm. that's pretty much what Joan Collins has its, has at stake, I think, is the title. Like, that's what's extremely yeah. important to her. They made it pretty clear in an earlier episode that they were at least fairly wealthy. Joan Collins... That character speaks in a lot of metaphors. Um, I didn't write them all down, but it seems like she speaks almost exclusively in pretty obvious metaphors. Welcome um, to the Royals. One them, yeah. One of them is about rose, roses and thorns, which more than anything else in the show so far really did make me think about Game of Thrones. Because yeah. there's a character in that played by Diana Rigg. Whose I nickname love her. Is is the Queen of Thorns, oh. and her family's symbol is the Rose. And it's a similar character, kind of, to the Joan Collins character, a very sort of politically savvy I think the, person. I think the line is, don't grasp the Rose if you're afraid of the Thorns, or something yes, to that effect. something like that, yeah. Um. Um, I did also in this scene, I hate to report, I caught the name of Helena's I did lover. too, I wrote down too, Alistair Lacey. Alistair Lacey, yeah. A fancy totally name for a poor farm boy. Like I was saying, I think Joan Collins just walks into the show and understands like exactly what it is, so it's just a pleasure to watch her work. But it puts Helena in this crazy, crazy, crazy angry mood. More people are asking her about giving Ophelia a security detail, and she's like, she will never have one. I will never give her one. But she's just being a bitch about it because she's she's mad. Um, and on that note, so Marcus and Ophelia leave the dance studio, and one of the paparazzi says something. They are shouting. They are shouting like the headline. They start shouting stuff like American slut. One of them's like, Sh show off your something like oh. they ask her to sh to like to 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 flash them again. One of them says for the wank bank. Oh my god, I could it's really aggressive. A lot. It's horrible. Um, I wish I could say that this wasn't realistic, but actually, I was reading an article about the abuse that former Canadian Prime Minister's wife Maggie Trudeau, mother of current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his father was Canadian mm -hmm. Prime Minister, the abuse that she suffered at the hands of the paparazzi, like. Her, uh, she eventually divorced Justin's father, the prime minister, after he was done being prime minister, and they had lost a child when, um, when their family was younger. So her ex-husband's funeral was on the day of her dead son's birthday, and mm. at the funeral, one of the paparazzi's like was very, very flip with her and was like. How does it feel to be attending your ex-husband's funeral on the on your dead son's birthday or something like that? Because this kid died when he was a child. And it was, like, very shocking. So, again, and I know Diana suffered a lot of abuse at the hands of the press, too. So it's really horrible. I just yep. I wish I could say, like, oh, the Royals is being so unrealistic. But I really think in this case it's not. Not exactly, like, abusive language. But there are there's a lot of speculation that the paparazzi contributed to her death in a very real way a yeah. little bit yeah but uh eventually what this guy says to her is one of the paparazzi something like what would your mother think of you now or was she an american uh, slut like you they, he calls oh, her yes. mama slut yeah and yeah, okay that's right yeah she you know, he goes 
what would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? Was she an American slut like you? And Ophelia turns and reacts in horror, and then Marcus punches the guy out. It wasn't the right move from the perspective of, like, his job, but I can't say I disliked him for doing it. I like Marcus a lot, and it's always nice to see him, like, deliver the smackdown. He promised to, like, not tell Liam about her offer to the the place in NYC that she got offered to invite. Marcus is a super nice dude, and I wish he had more to do. On this show. Like I said, I have my theory about him ending up to be Laertes, but we'll see. That would make sense. Ophelia gets, <laughs> Ophelia, after her dance, her amazing dance, gets an offer to audition for this company in New York City. And it would be a huge opportunity for her, but like so many young women, unfortunately, she's like, but I'd have to leave my boyfriend, so maybe I shouldn't do this amazing thing that could hugely advance my career in the arts. They have been dating for this point for days. It's been days. You don't just throw that away. He called her his girlfriend that morning, and she's already like, should I throw away my life for this man? So the kids, um, Eleanor, this is a great scene, and also very Lucille Bluthy in a way. Uh, Eleanor yes, and Liam come in to greet their grandma. I love this scene. All she has to say is stuff about their looks. She says, Liam, like, oh, you looked like a Greek god since the day You're you were so born, perfect, which is Probably true. I mean, even in the Chronicles of Narnia movies when he was a kid, like, I don't know that uh, he ever went, William Mosley ever went through an awkward teenager phase. And Eleanor, you need to gain weight because you're so thin and, like, mm-hmm. guys like a little meat on those bones. She's, she says, men like meat on the tail before they shuck the lobster, I believe is the line. Woo! That is um, another one of her metaphors. Wowza. And if I were Eleanor, I'd be like, Grandma, my problem is that at any given moment, I have too many shady dudes in my life. Not, not enough. But she tells her grandma that she's on a diet of caviar and coke. Caviar and coke. <laughs> like you tell your grandma. The Duchess is like, oh, you shouldn't drink coke. It'll rot your teeth. And Liam and Eleanor think it's... Pretty funny. Adorable. They love her. They're eating it up. Honestly, I would be too. She's wearing this like long puffy sleeve, uh, long sleeve puffy sleeve purple dress with a very short hem for a for an older lady, but also like long white gloves and these giant pearls. Oh, she's amazing. She mm-hmm. offers she offers Eleanor these diamonds that Helena obviously wants. And she says to Helena, like, you know, diamonds don't suit you, dear, which is hilarious because Helena's dripping with diamonds and other assorted gems in every this is the, scene. Uh, aforementioned arrested development moment. <laughs> I really love it. Honestly, I can't say enough good things about this character. I kind of oh. wish she were a series regular, but then I wouldn't appreciate her the way that I do. But if you think Liam and Eleanor love the Duchess, Wait till Cyrus shows up on the scene. (laughs) I thought they were going to start making out. She offers to have him kiss the ring. She extends her hand and says, kiss the ring. And he's like, which one? (laughs) And she's like, if I were a younger woman, I might take you up on that. It's like, okay. And he is just sitting next to her, like leaning into her. And he's just giggling and fawning (laughs) over her. It's a... It's, it's and the kids love it too. Only Helena is like, get a room. I mean, not literally, but you can tell she's thinking it. But everyone is like, where's Simon? Where's Simon? And then he shows up on TV and tells everyone, like, 
he just lays it out on the table. Like he doesn't sugarcoat it at all. He's like, I want what's best for the people. The monarchy is doing nothing to help you. They've done nothing to earn all this money, which they're spending in excess. They're living in excess. He calls his own family, quote, a pack of zoo animals. Like, damn, like I can't wait for Helena's diss track to come out after this. The greatest (laughs) beef of the year 2015. And Joan Collins punctuates the scene by saying FM. Yeah, one more FML. So Eleanor and Liam leave this little meeting together and they know that they're partially to blame for their own bad behavior over the years, but maybe especially in Monaco, even though Eleanor is right when she says that's not really the reason why it happened. Like everyone's acting like Monaco was the sole reason for the referendum, but nothing could be further from the truth. He's been sitting on this one for a long time but Eleanor praises Ophelia and she says some nice things to Liam she's just a really nice sister Uh, they have a nice moment and it should be noted that this referendum bill that the king is presenting he said he's literally signing it tomorrow so right there like he's getting he's getting it on track this is the first of several things in this episode where it's like there's something really important to the monarchy or to the family that Liam that Simon is going to do just a little bit later that make you start to have um, maybe a certain amount of alarm bells go off. Dun, 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 But I also want to note that the official royal correspondent for the news is named Rob Jobson, which was a name I really enjoyed. (laughs) The worst, dumbest fake name. Um, Um, But... I like Rob Job again to bring it back to Arista Development. Rob Jobson just reminds me of Bob Loblaw. <laughs> it's barely so not Bob Loblaw. This is our Arrested Development episode of Stage of Fools. Uh, it's especially weird just because we always hear Robert, 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 Robert. So you would think they wouldn't want to name anyone else in the Royals universe Robert. Robert. No. Nope. I have all, I have it. plenty of conspiracy theories about that. Maybe the Royals is just trying to give me the clues to follow it, and I need to you know, go track down the Declaration of Independence and read the back to put it all together. After the announcement, Eleanor does have one of my favorite lines of the episode where she straight up says, shit just got real (laughs) to her brother. Yeah, it's definitely the royals leaning into like, what are the young people saying these days? Except for once they gave one of those lines to an actual young person instead of like Eleanor or Cyrus. Even though that's a line from a 90s action movie. Eleanor tells Liam, I'll go talk to dad and I'll fix this. And I'm like, girl it's too late like you can't just go have a talk with your dad and he'll be like you know what you're right sweetheart i won't do it first of all you two aren't on great terms right now and second of all he already made the announcement on national television so he's he's clearly decided i don't think eleanor being like hey dad could you not will change anything so yeah i thought it was well we see pretty shortly how that goes yeah also during this exchange Eleanor says something that I, again, don't think is true at all, which is that uh, Ophelia aimed that arrow at that oil magnate guy to protect Liam, which I think is 100% false, No, that's not true. I mean, there might have been a scuffle about to break out, but there was nothing Liam specific about it at all. He was totally on the fringe of that. Actually, if if he was threatening anyone besides Ashok, he was going after Gemma, you know, kind of going after her and Ashok, not Liam so much at all. So yeah. So I don't know where she got that particular interpretation. The first time we see Simon besides after we saw him on TV was he's down in the kitchen assuring the assembled staff that he's going to make sure that they have jobs and they're taken care of even after 
the royal family may no longer be living in the palace, which I was just like, why can't everyone be you? I don't know. I mean, I guess working in the palace, well, probably this is true that working in the palace would give you the credentials for pretty much any very high level service job. But Mm -hmm. I believe him that he would make sure that they would have like Ex- maybe even out of his own pocket that they would have excellent severance and that he would make sure that I'm no sure one was would, in yeah. like a state of emergency after losing their I'm job. I'm sure he would like work that into the bill. Yeah. So Simon asks one of the staff members, members if Prudence is on duty that day and she seems very confused and she says, oh, we were told to let her go. And Sa- mm-hmm. the coin kind of drops for Simon right away. He figures out who was to blame for it. And this scene is so great and I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about because he's storms in on Cyrus and Helena and he lets them have it. They've been fucking begging for it for seven episodes. And finally, he's just not holding back anymore. And Helena and Cyrus are just so unbelievably nasty to him, like making out that he and Prudence had some sort of illicit relationship. And he's like, it wasn't romantic. It wasn't sexual. You're making it into something dirty that it never was. And it's because it's so true. Cyrus and Helena have no concept of a relationship that isn't built on either obtaining power or getting sex. He basically, this is another on his list of things that he is going to do very shortly, but he's basically turns to Helena and he's like, the only reason you're still here is you have a ring on your finger. And then he says, not anymore, bitch. Like the only, the only lie I told on that broadcast was that I want to be a better husband. I don't. Like, he basically tells her their relationship is over, and she looks so stunned. It's so great. Even better, he grabs Cyrus by the face. He, like, smushes up his face. It's a total big brother move. Like, just grabs him, and Cyrus, you can tell, is, like, never experienced this from Simon before. And... I'm paraphrasing, but Simon just basically calls him a little shit and is like, you deserve nothing and I'm going to make sure you have nothing. Yeah. It's wonderful. He tells them in no uncertain terms that after this goes through, they're getting absolutely nothing. They're out. They're stripped of their titles. No money. It's all going to the staff. They look gobsmacked. This might be the first time we've seen, especially Cyrus, like actually look like, I don't know what the next move I should make is. Yeah. It is fantastic. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Great scene. Very satisfying scene. Um, but uh, Eleanor stops by for the chat that she promised you would have earlier. Uh, I know this scene features one of your favorite things in the show. Guys telling Eleanor that she could be great if she got her shit together. I don't mind it so much from Simon because he's her dad. It's more annoying when her boyfriends, who are already shitty people themselves, are like, you have so much wasted potential. Meh. But no one ever offers concrete suggestions to her. Right. Like, no one has even given her the real tools to get sober. Yeah. You you know what I mean? Like everyone speaks so kind of hypothetically about, oh, you could be great. But they never say like what her interests are, what her positive attributes are, some steps she could make. It's just, again, dads will be dads. So Simon gets a pass, but everyone else is on watch. <laughs> he straight up says that he is, keeps on dropping, dropping that truth. Says he's disappointed in her. Um, he talks to her seemingly, I, I would think this would already happen, but he talks to her pretty frankly about how much she is high and or drunk. I suspect that when the kids were younger, it was like a good cop, bad cop situation with Helena being the bad cop and Simon being the good cop. So I kind of get the sense that he never really was equipped with the disciplinary tools in the first place. So maybe the reason that he put off so long to like actually have a come to Jesus talk to her without her drug use is because 
he's not used to being the one who's like pull yourself together or like stop doing this thing oh eleanor is like i was sober on that trip which is true but of course he doesn't believe her and she neglects to tell him that she was only sober because her drugs were physically taken from her yes i mean in a way beck actually did the best thing for her that anyone has in the show by trying to kind of snap her out of it by actually removing the drugs from her possession. That is probably the best thing about Beck, who is otherwise a non-entity. This is actually quite important for the end of the episode, but we see Robert for the first time. Oh, Mm. he exists. He's not just a figment of everyone's collective imagination. There's a family photo of younger Simon and Helena with the three kids as very young children, like maybe nine, ten years old, and there are two boys and one girl in the picture, so they don't tell us who's who, and it's only a brief shot. But They didn't have to cast an I'm not convinced it's Robert. Robert. It could have just been some kid that wandered along. I'm still not convinced that there's a picture of Robert anywhere in this universe. How many children have you two have that you've lost over the years? I don't know. This palace is huge. We can't tell. Do you think Helena would really make a big deal out of it if she lost a child? Based on what we've seen in the show, no. Anyway, Helena hears Joan Collins coming, and she runs into the first room she can to hide. And it happens to be... Eleanor's bedroom so as Helena leans against the door and says oh god I hate my mom Eleanor is sitting there on the bed and she kind of laughs because we know that that's something she yes. says all the time something about Helena they can bond over. and then Helena asks she asks her what she's holding and Eleanor says she doesn't have anything Liam defends the paparazzi incident to Helena they meet up and have a little chat and he's like Ophelia needs a security detail. Everyone has been telling you this. Get it through your head. I don't understand why Helena is the absolute authority on this. Liam could go to his dad and be like, tell Ted to give her a security detail. I feel like Ted as Ophelia's dad would be more than happy to do it. Even if he is kind of put out at Ophelia. Um, And then he goes to visit Ophelia who's reading a book that belonged to her mother. I tried to see the cover so I could see... The title, I could not. It's All Creatures Great and Small. Is it All Creatures Great and Small? Okay, that makes sense because that's the book that Eleanor has said that Ted was reading. And um, Ophelia is looking at a page that her mother flagged in the book and she thinks the reason her mother flagged the page is because it has the quote, having a soul means being able to feel love, loyalty, and gratitude. I'm not sure what the significance is of that. In this yeah. episode, but I don't know if anyone in the show ever really expresses, expresses that much gratitude. Yeah, that might be true. It's a nice sentiment. It definitely gives us more an idea of an idea of what her mother was like in life and why Ophelia is, you know, the very tender-hearted person that she is. So all this talk of her mom's death really turns them on and they start making out. <laughs> Yeah, they, that's how it goes. Uh, that's about all there is to say about that. Yeah, it's a pretty quick little scene. Well, There's... Liam is supposed to meet up with King Simon for one of their to join Simon on one of his private they walks. Set this up earlier, and Liam talked to Simon while he was doing his setting my affairs in order tour. And Simon invited him to come to join him on one of their walks tonight, so he could like. Show him what he sees, show him, like, teach him how to be a person, basically. It's implied this is going to be, like, one of the most important moments in their relationship. So, again, maybe red flag for you that things are not going so great. Not going to go so great for Simon later. The foreshadowing this episode is really, like, being hit over the head with a mallet. So, Liam is too busy making out with Ophelia to be on time. He leaves for this walk on his own, leaving 
Ophelia at her little clock tower house alone. <laughs> Ophelia in her tower. It really is very picturesque. Until, and this is the other moment where I feel like Ted was being a real dick, Ted comes by and he has video of Marcus punching that paparazzi, but he's not watching the whole thing. It's like a vine. He's like looping it like a vine. It's like two seconds. It's like two seconds of audio of the reporter saying, what would your mother think of you? And he repeats it like a dozen times Probably knowing Ophelia is in earshot, or at least knowing that's a possibility. I think he didn't think of that, because when he walks in, he's like, oh, but he's just replaying that nasty quote over and over again. What would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? What would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? What would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? It sounds like a weird, like, dance sampling beat. Yeah. Ophelia is like, I think that she would be proud of me for having found someone who I care for, which is a lovely thing to say. Again... You've been dating him for maybe 13 hours, so let's not take anything too fast. Generous, even. (laughs) Um, And so she goes back to her her bedroom, and she looks out the window, and she sees Cyrus sneaking out of the palace. Eleanor is just so upset because basically her her parents are really upset with her and nasty to her at this point and she's Mm. obviously feeling a lot of self-loathing because the first thing she does is take a can of spray paint and go up to her own picture and spray paint out the eyes of it and then the face Mm -hmm. and then the entire picture and then she starts spray painting her room but perhaps most significantly she also viciously spray paints a picture of her and her dad which Mm -hmm. is significant because normally her dad is like you know, her the guy, one thing, the yes. one person who it seems mm-hmm. like she's never really sniping at. And she attempts to spray paint this picture of uh, Helena holding her, I assume, when she was a little as baby. a little baby. I'm not she gonna, runs out of spray paint. I'm not going to lie. This scene made me really emotional. Like, this whole scene. I don't know what it was. It really got to me. Like, I felt genuinely really sad. She looks despondent, like, really, really upset after she runs out of that spray paint. She can't spray paint that uh, that picture. It's it's a really good moment for her, uh, acting-wise, I feel it's like. It's rough. I think this scene totally rests on Alexandra Park's acting chops, which we've talked about many times before, because she's... She's a wonderful talent. Um, And I just thought, you know, the combination of, like, disappointment and anger at herself and feeling totally isolated from all her family members. Because, yeah, she and Liam get along, but he's totally sucked into all the responsibilities that he feels have fallen to him and his relationship with Ophelia. So he, in that, even in that one conversation they have in the hallway, he doesn't give her any comfort. It's all about her comforting him. He doesn't, that's true. He hasn't really been trying to reach out to her that much. I don't think. So she obviously just feels totally alone. I mean, Jasper never even responded to her text. What the hell? Helena and Cyrus are in the throne room talking about what they could possibly do to stop this referendum. And Cyrus says that there's always a way out. But before that, he says that Holloway is uh, no longer an option, that Holloway is out in more ways than one because Holloway has, I guess, said, I don't give a fuck, Cyrus. You can say what you want about me in the press. I'm not doing your dirty work anymore. That feels kind of shocking because we know that Holloway is married with like a wife and children. So he's going to torch his entire political career and his personal life over this. I think it's just to manufacture desperation for Cyrus and Helena. They definitely are feeling desperate so that makes perfect sense. It increases suspicion for what happens next if they're 
more desperate than ever. Something that even, to me, even compounded the sadness of Eleanor spray painting her room and her family pictures was she actually decides to take pity on her mother because she knows she's stressed out and she knows what it's like to have your mom, you know, pressuring you and bullying you. So she goes and brings some sort of pill, which I have to assume is like some sort of anti-anxiety medication or some sort of pain pill and goes and uh-huh. leaves it on her on her bedside Bed, table nightstand. yeah next yeah. to a picture of the family and she's looking at it and she, as she sits down on the bed one of jasper's tacky ass playing card cufflinks falls onto the floor near her bare feet but she doesn't see it yet for some reason i couldn't tell what that was so it was one explains. of jasper's cufflinks from that night that right. he okay. ate her mom out Woo! yes yeah but she doesn't mm-hmm. see it yet So then we're with some guards outside the palace. They're standing watch with their guns and a figure staggers up to the gates and they all draw their weapons on him and he manages through the bars. I am the king of England. It's Simon. He's been stabbed. There's blood everywhere. He collapses onto the steps as the guards scream to open the gates. And that is the end of the episode. A very dramatic finish. Yes. I yeah, love the big Simon. Turning point of the first season. Yeah, I love Simon, and you know, I hate to see this happen, but it's a great scene. Like, it's a very well done dramatic moment. They like have mm. him in shadows until his face comes up through the bars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's very compelling. So, yeah, that's gonna set us up now. This is episode seven, and there are only ten episodes in the first season, right? Yeah, and the remaining episodes, uh, a lot of a lot of what they have to do is do with is the fallout from this they're a lot more plot heavy than i think the episodes early on yeah early on in the show where they're just having a fun little masquerade bar ball or a garden party true but i gotta say it actually kind of snuck up on me i think i ended up enjoying this episode a lot more than i thought i would and i think i ended up enjoying this episode more than like the monaco episode which is actually really crazy just because Mm. it was fun to have all these kind of more genuine character moments and like to see the plot machinations of various characters ambitions um kind of colliding with each other. Mainly a few moments with the Duchess. Aside from that, they really did dispense with the comedy for the most part in this one and just had to be pretty sincere. Yeah, and so. even all the stuff with the Duchess, it's not over the top like Maribel and no. Penelope offering virgin oh, yes. sex, you know? There's a really bizarre choice, though, I wanted to bring up briefly. Do it. There's a previously on segment that uh, the copy of the show we have has. And for some reason, the previously on segment, which has dramatic music bedded, in it has a clip of Eleanor saying to Penelope and Maribel, you know, you could have just put your drugs in a diplomatic bag instead of shoving them up your bum. That has, this has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with anything. That's fantastic. But that that needed to be, we had to be reminded of that moment. That's so weird. I didn't notice that because I did notice that they had the clip of Helena saying that her mother, to Ophelia, her mother never taught her any proper manners. Because that, of course, comes into play with the paparazzi saying, what would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? What would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? What would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? No, yeah. Which is like the exact intonation he does it with. No, like it's a lot more sincere. They get away from, they almost completely avoid any even references to the really, the sexual blackmail stuff that's really difficult to, talk about and contextualize and just that's really kind of icky about the show. I also think that this episode was 
it was like a breath of fresh air in terms of being mercifully free of music cues. You know what I mean? Like normally yeah. the show is playing very on the nose songs with like lyrics that directly relate to the scene and they're just being blasted, like cranked during every scene. Whereas this this episode had a few scenes with score, I think, in them, but I don't remember there being any pop songs. There was a song of some some kind of song over the final montage where it shows uh, Eleanor spray painting her room and the king oh, right, right, walking right. stuff. But that's about it. Well, at least that fits because the scene of Eleanor spray painting was wordless. And like I said, uh, Alexandra Park just did a great job emoting during that scene. So that was wonderful. Well, you know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show. What was your favorite part of this week's episode? Obviously, you mentioned that the scene in what looked like the chapel was very good between Cyrus and Simon. It made us want, I, I think I can speak for both of us, made us wish that there were more scenes between those two. Definitely. But um, the individual moment I liked the most is Cyrus sitting next to the Duchess and just <laughs> giggling with delight. Uh, that was uh, a really, really happy moment. <laughs> I loved both of those two so much, but just to say something different, I'll say I loved the moment when Simon grabbed Cyrus's face and like oh, smushed up his cheeks and like really, really had him. And Helena and Cyrus were both just like, what? Um, and I love Joan Collins saying FML because I felt like she didn't totally know what she was saying, but she said it anyway <laughs> with a lot of panache. Eleanor. Eleanor uh, spray painting room was also pretty effective. There were yeah. a lot of contenders, I think, in this particular. This, like I said, this episode really snuck up on me. It was one of those ones where, we're like, when Zach and I were talking about it, we decided not to have a guest on this episode because we're going to be like, we're going to have to chip through a lot of plot. But whereas something like the pilot dragging ourselves through the plot felt like such a slog, mm -hmm. this time the characters were set up so we could kind of just watch them stew or freak out, depending on who they were. This is going to, it's going to be a pretty, just, this is going to yeah. take us right through to I the mean, end of the season. I think it's fair to say that shit just got real on the Royals. Shit so. indeed got real. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Shannon Camp. I am Zach Powers. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter at Stage of Fools Pod or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.